say that uh, an individual that would go into court and be his own mouthpiece, own attorney, in essence, is a fool. Yeah. And so basically, we can use that same principle. A person will one day have to stand before the holy tribunal of God. Now, will you go before him as that fool, or will you go before him having Christ as your federal head? again to a word of grace. Derek, anything to say as we start off the podcast today? Well, I'll just say uh, good afternoon, or should I say good morning? You can say whatever we want. <laughs> not sure when people listen to this, but it is uh, Friday, and uh, we're already well into June, and uh, no time for corned beef hash on this episode. we got to jump right in and talk about okay. what we finished with last time regarding uh, dying to sin in union with Christ. Okay, so just, just a 30-second review. The concern is, uh, well, the first concern is that we must understand that salvation is not just saving us from hell, but saving us from sin. It's not just saving from the, us from the penalty of sin, but also its dominion or power in our lives. What Paul says in, in Romans 5, verse 20, is that when sin abounds, grace abounds more. This immediately brings up a concern that could lead to a license to sin and say, well, we're just going to keep sinning because we're forgiven. Um, and, and that is not the case. And the reason we don't do that, in other words, the reason you don't now live your life, Derek, and I don't live my life, Lord willing, totally given over to sin, is because we have died to sin and have union with Christ. Mm-hmm. So... If the answer, here, here's how here's how Jerry, this, <laughs> I, I mentioned in the break that I liked that you called him Jerry, like you had dinner with him last week. <laughs> we don't know a lot. Of, Jerry's kind of a, word, a name that's going away. Yeah, it has. Derek's been pretty consistent. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, it's a good name, good solid. Quite a bit in England, as a matter of fact. Oh, it there is? a lot of Derek's in England. Really? Mm-hmm. I wasn't aware. You know, Andy is not really popular, but Andrew, mm-hmm. I, I, a lot of people named Andrew don't go by Andy for Andy some reason. Brand. They're just not as confident, I guess, mm-hmm. or as, <laughs> you know that Andrew means manly, right? Very uh, appropriate yeah, I, name. I, what does Derek I remember, mean? I remember you telling me that. What does Derek mean? Uh, well, there's a couple of meanings. Uh, there's like an oil Derek. Okay. But then also if you're uh, taking the name from uh, the Irish, uh, mm-hmm. it's referring to like uh, a strong... Theodoric type individual. What's a Theodoric? In other words, oh, oh, it'll take time to explain okay. that, so we won't get into that right now. <laughs> so you said it's from the Irish. Do you have an Irish accent that you could do for the podcast uh, today? No, I can say I kissed the Blarney Stone, but that's about it. <laughs> no. Come on, do do a little top of the morning in Irish for us. <laughs> top of the morning to you. <laughs> okay. That's difficult coming from a brother. <laughs> Okay, we got to get serious here. <laughs> it was a very early mental break. Uh, here's what Jerry says. Okay, what did Jerry say? <laughs> he says, what is the nature of the case that makes continuing in a life of sin impossible? Why is it that it is impossible for a Christian to continue in a life of sin? 
He says, the answer is, we died to sin. Mm-hmm. So we, we better, fi- if that's the answer, we better figure out what it means. Mm-hmm. What is your what is your definition or impression of what it means that we we died to sin? Well, because of our union with Christ, we identify with his death, burial, and resurrection. Okay. And in doing so, uh, we have been uh, resurrected to newness of life, to where uh, we are not moved by the dictates of our old life, to where our old life we sinned willfully, uh, and uh, we were in bondage to that. But because of our union with Christ, we've been emancipated from that. We do still have sin, and I think I mentioned it last time, and it's stated in the book that uh, the difference between a believer and an unbeliever, a a believer has surviving sin, but an unbeliever has reigning sin. So our sin no longer reigns or has dominion over us. Yeah. I look forward to getting into that discussion if we have time. A couple of statements that Bridges makes regarding being dead to sin. The first is that it is a past experience. Yes. We, uh, in fact, maybe we should read this important passage. Let me, let me read it to you. You, mm-hmm. you. you don't have your Bible out right now, but just listen to this, Derek, from Romans 6, 1 to 4. I know it's familiar to you. So he asks the question in response to where sin abounds, grace abounds, and he says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. And here's an important section. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Mm. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And it gets to the part of union with Christ, which we'll talk about in a minute, but this is something that happened in the past. This has already occurred. Here's what Bridges says. Every person in the world who is a true believer has died to sin. Mm. We cannot possibly die to sin any more than we have. We, we are dead to it. Um, the second thing that he states is that we may not even be aware of this. Right. I, I appreciated mm-hmm. that. Um, and then the third thing is that, you, as you mentioned, we, this death is closely related to our union with Christ. So now we have to concern ourselves with what that means. And this was astonishing to me that the, we talked about at the end of last time's show when we said Paul was uh, very concerned about the idea of union with Christ, and he uses terms, shortened terms like in Christ or Mm -hmm. in the Lord, and it said that he used those terms 164 times. Mm -hmm. Isn't that astonishing? It is. Must be. And and, and the thing is, you don't even stop to think about that. Right. You know? Right. So that's why we want to stop and think about it Mm -hmm. right now, and and I, I I need to think about it more. In fact, I've I'm kind of motivated to study it myself more because of its importance to our Christian walk. So there are two different parts of this union with Christ, and this is going to get really theological, Mm -hmm. but it is also, as you said, very practical. Um, The first is that we have a representative or federal union with Christ. Mm -hmm. Now, do you want to take a stab at that? Is that... That's a difficult yeah. thing to make well, simple. Yeah, well, the gist of it is is that federal in this particular instance is referring to representation. 
in the same way that uh, Adam was the federal head of the human race or the, uh, the representative of the human race, uh, Christ is our federal, let's put it this way, Adam was the, our federal head as it relates to our birth. Jesus Christ is our federal head because of our rebirth. Explain then what this means. In Adam all die, and in Christ all will be made alive. Okay, in Adam, we are considered to be in, in Adam's loins. We are part of his progeny. We inherited the sin, guilt that he committed. But in Christ, we inherit his righteousness. Is that enough, or would you like more? It, it is a subject that is hard. I mean, we don't think about it a lot, but it's, it's, it's really important to our understanding of how to live for Jesus, and that's mm -hmm. what this whole series is about. When it says, in Adam all die, who are the all? All of humanity. Okay, so if we have a, a group of people in Adam, we would say that without exception, Christ being the exception, right. all in Adam die. Right. So Adam, in a sense, is our representative right. in exactly. the garden. Mm -hmm. And when he sinned, we understand that it, he, now, now we have sinned. Mm -hmm. And that has been passed to us because he was our representative. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then it goes on to say that in Christ, all are made alive. Who are the all there? Okay, the all is, is not inclusive of everyone on the planet. Right. Because that would be universalism. Right. It is referring to those blood-bought believers uh, or, or the elect of God, however you want to put it, those who have put their trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That is the all. All who are in Christ in that way are made alive in the sense that he is our representative. In what yes. way is he our representative? I mean, it's, it's possibly easy to understand how we are an Adam. And we may not like that. Mm -hmm. We may not say, well, hey, I didn't commit mm -hmm. that sin. Right. But this is, this is the truth of God's appointment is that Adam was mm -hmm. our representative. Mm -hmm. And the fact well, that, of the matter is we all are sinners. That representation is analogous to uh, Adam's federal headship over us. But now in Christ... Yeah, so how was he our representative? Okay, he is our representative because he took on flesh. He became one of us. And as a result of that, he, in a sense, I don't want to say he became our father. That's not what I'm saying. But he became our head because... He is identified with us in his humanity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Max was saying, do you have anything you want to say? Max was saying at breakfast that he liked Jerry's illustrations. Mm -hmm. um, he used one of the power of attorney. Right. I was okay. really unfamiliar with that. Could mm -hmm. you explain? Do you, did you re recall that in the book? Or uh, I do vaguely, uh, and if I'm not mistaken, he was, I, I don't remember the story exactly, but uh, the power of attorney means that someone else, let's say, for instance, someone else has owned something, and there has to be some legal transactions that take place, but that individual is not going to be available to do the signing or whatever. So he appoints a representative mm -hmm. for him, uh, which would be 
giving him the power of attorney. And by giving him the power of attorney, he's giving him the authority to act in his place. Whatever he signs, it's as though the actual owner was signing for yes. those things. And he becomes responsible even yes. though he didn't sign them himself. Right. So is it as simple as this? The regards to Adam's federal headship or his representative union that we have with Adam, we have no choice but to be in him. We, right. As a human being, we are in him, and he is our representative, and we in sin. But to become a member of that all in Christ, or to have Christ be our representative head and to enter into union with him, that is what the gospel invites us to do. Right. And by believing mm -hmm. in him, by believing in his representation of us mm -hmm. in his perfect life and death and resurrection, etc., is it as simple as that, that we are appointing him as our representative and now we are invited into union with him? Is well, that wrong I, way I to think say it? There, I think there's more to it than that. Okay. Because I don't think we're necessarily appointing him, but I think God has appointed him. And uh, somewhere in the book it also mentions, <coughs> excuse me, an important factor. Not only are we in him, but to, to solidify this thing, Christ is in us. Mm. Mm -hmm. But I guess what I mean by when we appoint him, I, I know I, that may not okay. be the right word, but but we have to make a decision. Yes. We, in Adam, we didn't have to make a right. decision. We just It just was automatic. Yeah, by faith. I guess I understand what you're saying now, that when we exercised faith, in essence, we were appointing Christ yeah. as our, we were saying, uh, giving him the power of attorney We were saying lives. we want him to be our representative. Right. We want to be in union with okay. him versus I'll just stand as my own representative mm -hmm. and realize that right. that is unacceptable. Right. I thought that was, a, that was, maybe it wasn't as worded as well as you did. But. And, and I'm not quoting this statement verbatim, but, but it's supposed, uh, I believe it's true. They say that uh, an individual that would go into court and be his own mouthpiece, own attorney, in essence, is a fool. Yeah. And so basically we can use that same principle. A person will one day have to stand before the holy tribunal of God. Mm. Now will you go before him as that fool, or will you go before him having Christ as your federal head? Yeah. That's the choice everybody's got to make. Yes. As I was reading this, I was telling Max, I was like, this is more than one lesson, and maybe we're, maybe we're picking it apart a little bit too much, but let me just read a little bit. Um, with, just as Adam was our federal representative in his sin, Jesus is our federal representative in his sinless life and atoning death. So just as Adam's sin brought condemnation and death to his race, the Lord's act of righteousness brings justification in life to his race. Mm. That is, the people mm. who trust in mm. him. And this is, where, this is where I was blown away. Because of this union with Christ, so because you, Max, and I, by our profession of faith, have union with Christ, mm -hmm. all of our responsibilities before God rest on him, mm. and his merit accrues to us. Yes. Jesus, as our representative, assumed all the obligations in which Adam failed and fulfilled them on our behalf. I'd never heard it said that way, and it just... I almost started to weep at the table with this statement. Our responsibilities before God rest on Jesus. Mm. Mm. Okay, so God has, God has outlined my responsibilities, but because I'm in union with Christ... 
I point to him and say, yes. he did it for me, mm-hmm. lived a perfect life. And, the, and the, uh, the merit that I'm seeking, his merit that he right. has is given to me. Yes, oh, yes. I just, yes. Yeah, I can't help but think doctrinally and think of the imputation that yes. takes place, yes. you know, to where we're transferring our sin to him and he's transferring his righteousness to us. So even though this theme seems like theological deep waters, the reality of it is, is when we think like this, when we think of Christ as our representative, that takes us out of what we talked about last week with this performance-based mindset mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I'm not relying on my mm-hmm. performance. I'm yes. Christ was my representative. Yes. He did it yes. for me. Yes. And I'm like, and now I'm like right. graced beyond measure, mm-hmm. but also motivated. This is why I can't continue to live in sin because right. I exactly. died to it with him. Mm-hmm. When he died, I died. Mm-hmm. When he rose, I rose. Mm-hmm. That that's the idea of this union with Christ. And and Bridges says this is why Paul gets to certain places and he just explodes into doxology. Yes, like, you, you can't can help I, it. I mean, you he's can't like, help but. I can't imagine having that revealed to you by the Spirit of God mm-hmm. and you're writing these things down and you would just stop and walk mm-hmm. around the room like I did last night. Like, sure. I can't even believe what I'm reading. Well, you often say in your teaching, and I appreciate it, uh, the phrase that uh, theology our theology should lead to doxology. And that's true. You do read things from Paul to where he may be deep in the weeds as far as theology is concerned, yeah. but ultimately when he emerges, he is erupting yeah. in praise and worship and, and, and doxology as it relates to the Lord. Right. Now, there there is so much more to talk about. Um, I hope... Do you feel like this is getting too? You do. You feel like we're getting too deep and should move on. Okay. I just want to take it from a listener's perspective because there's still a lot to talk about in this, just this one chapter regarding. But I think it's important. I think it lays the foundation. We can maybe hurry through some of the other things. I think to skip through this would be missing right. the main right. the main thought. Um, so when we think about dying to sin... We, of course, are dead to its legal penalty aspect. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we also die to its dominion over Mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. These deliverances, Bridges says, are connected. Um, Now, here's the problem. (laughs) And maybe this is opening the question for next time's lesson. Let me ask you the question, Derek, okay? Uh We know that Jesus is powerful enough to take away sin's penalty. Yes. I don't think anybody who truly is a believer would say, well, I did trust Christ, but am I sure his death took away the penalty? Mm-hmm. Maybe no. we do at time to time, no. but I think we're okay with that. But with, but he also is powerful enough to remove sin's power from right. us and the dominion. Right. That's where we say, mm-hmm. well, but I still... So here's the question that Bridges poses here. If we did die to sin's dominion, why do we still struggle with sin in our daily life? <laughs> what, what is there? Seems like uh, seems like this yeah. doesn't make sense. Well, we we did die to sin in Christ, but there is the other side of it to where we are still depraved in our nature, mm-hmm. and so as a result of that, from time to time, surviving sin is going to come back to 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 war against our souls. It is different, though, than when we were uh, unbelievers 
and sin was literally our master. Yeah. It reigned over us. So it was a different thing. Uh, before salvation, we didn't ha- really have the capacity to fight sin. Right. But now, because sin has no dominion over us, and because of the power of Christ, so I'll say the life of Christ residing within us, now we do have the power to combat sin. Because here's what maybe unbelievers are saying, or rather, here's what believers are saying as they're listening. Say, Andy, Derek, you know, I'm really happy that the Lord has delivered me from the power of sin, but I wake every morning and I struggle with the same sins. Mm-hmm. I keep giving myself to the same sin. And there are a couple of pages here that were super helpful about helping us to understand that. Now, you've always put it in a very beautiful way, and we've said it a couple times on the podcast. Again, we'll say it one more time. Believers lapse into sin and loathe it. Right. Unbelievers leap into sin and love it. Yes. And that's a beautiful way of putting it. And the guys, Sinclair Ferguson is quoted, John Owen is quoted, and, of course, Bridges is writing this book, and they say it in several different ways, too, saying mm-hmm. we must distinguish between the activity of sin, right. that is, the actions that mm-hmm. we will continue to commit just because mm-hmm. of our depravity, mm-hmm. versus its dominion or its mm-hmm. reign. You right. use the word master. Mm-hmm. And then Owen, maybe it's Ferguson or Owen, I can't remember who's yeah. being quoted here, uses different words. Presence of sin influence of sin, mm-hmm. dominion of sin. Right. So for believers, sin is still present. Yes. And sin still has influence, mm-hmm. but it does not have dominion. That's right. That we are we are still stained with sin even in our best deeds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we're not enslaved by it. It and it and that is our attitude. He he makes it real clear. It is our attitude towards it. There is a settled disposition. He says, our sin is a burden that afflicts us rather than a pleasure that Mm -hmm. delights us. Mm -hmm. All of that is so helpful because, Derek, I would be, uh, you struggle with sin still, don't you? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I do too. And so we could get real, say, well, wait a minute. Did Christ really save me from the dominion of sin? But what is your attitude towards sin? My attitude towards sin is that I hate it, yeah. and, you, and I'm grieved by it when it occurs in my life. In a sense, you, you still have that desire, and you fall into it, but even if it's, a, even if it's a, a habit that is difficult, your attitude towards it is like, this, is, this has got to stop, and yes. I, you know, I'm going to yes. pray for deliverance, mm-hmm. and I'm going to work for obedience, and I'm going to get accountability, etc. You're not just like, oh, hey, this, right. this is okay. Because mm-hmm. I'm not going to hell. Mm-hmm. Totally different mindset, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. The the idea that I love the difference between activity and dominion or influence and power. Mm-hmm. Because, well, there's all kinds of words used in the scripture like continue, uh, practice, mm-hmm. walk. walk yeah. Th- those are settled dispositions mm-hmm. where, you know, man, I, I, I like uh, stealing and <laughs> I just right. do it. I, I mean, or it. whatever it is. I, mm-hmm. Hey, I get angry, and mm-hmm. or you know, I can't believe I gave into that sin again, and, sure. and struggling with mm-hmm. it. That should be encouragement to people, shouldn't it? Sure, it it should because I think that when we grieve over our uh, our sins, when our sins literally prick our hearts, I think that's just that that's God's love, first of all. And it's, it's his grace because it lets us know that we belong to him. Because if we sinned without any compunction to do so, or if we did it and we never felt any remorse for it, then that, first of all, would prove that you didn't even belong to him. Uh, and how could you even think that you belong to him if it doesn't bother you that you are grieved 
and that you've also grieved him because yeah. of what you've done. Yeah. There's more I would like to discuss, but this is already going to be one of our longer podcasts. So maybe we'll just cut this off and pick it up a little bit next week. But the one, you know, it says we have died to sin, past right. tense. Mm -hmm. But then it also says, reckon yourselves as dead to sin. Right. Wait a minute. Mm -hmm. So it's not only a truth, it's also an imperative. It's right. not only it's something mm -hmm. that's... And, and he, again, Max says the illustrations are just wonderful. You think back to the 1800s when slavery was around and someone coming to a slave who is still mm -hmm. enslaved saying, mm -hmm. hey, stop living like a slave. Right. And the guy's like, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. good luck with yep. that. Mm -hmm. But then now that person mm -hmm. has been emancipated and, and now it is free. It right. is at liberty. Right. And a person says, hey, you don't live like a slave no more. Right. You are you are free mm -hmm. from that, mm -hmm. and and that is a perfect. I mean, it's a perfect example of saying you you can't say to an unbeliever, "Hey, stop stop living in sin." They don't have the capacity. Right. But once they are free from that through Christ, they should not continue to want to go back to be enslaved right. to that right. sin. And that that's the idea of our union with Christ. And it's probably something that I would I think would benefit us if we studied further right. and probably have only scratched the surface yeah, today. I, I think it's really unfortunate, too, that sometimes believers expect unbelievers to live as though they are believers, yeah. and the reality is they can't. And the inability. But they can't. And on the flip side of that, believers mm -hmm. can't continue to live under That's that right. dominion That's right, if they are true believers. Yeah. And the secret is having that belief that, hey, I am dead to sin, and the reason I'm dead to sin is because I died with Christ. Amen. I'm in union with mm. Christ. And we could we could get much deeper into that, but as I said, we're already we're already over time. Thanks, Derek. Well, thank I you. I just always enjoyed talking to you about these things. It's an encouragement to me today. I hope it's been encouragement to people that will listen. And uh, Lord willing, we'll pick it up again next time. Absolutely. Thanks, Derek. God bless.